words you spoke through the prophet Moses about the prophet Jesus. And that would be, we would be encouraged not only with the office of prophet that Jesus has executed and executes, but that of priest and king. And we pray in his name. Amen. As we remain standing, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 18 as we read verses 15 through 22. We are returning today to our study of the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 18, 15 through 22. Let us hear God's word for God's people. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Just as you desired of the Lord, the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire anymore lest I die. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. And I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken or come true. When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, this is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. The word of the Lord is eternal and stands firm in the heavens. It revives the soul. And we trust God the Holy Spirit to revive our souls with his powerful word today. You may be seated. On Christmas Eve many years ago, I joined a group of friends and acquaintances as we returned home from college to our hometown. And we gathered on a Christmas Eve in a church that allowed us to use their sanctuary to have a little Christmas Eve service amongst all of our college friends. And so we sang Christmas carols, and then we gathered at the front of the church. They had an altar rail, and we gathered there to enter a time of prayer. We were college kids. Most of us were tired and weary, but we were there celebrating Christmas. And all of a sudden, one of my friends, who was kneeling there at the altar, just fell out flat on his back. And some in our group went, shh, let's gather around him and wait for a word from God. He's been slain in the spirit, they said. And so we gathered around, waiting to hear what God might reveal to us. And this is what God revealed to us. Is Santa Claus here yet? My friend had fallen asleep and simply fell on his back. That was the word from God. But that little event illustrates how some people think 
about Revelation, that it didn't close with the close of the New Testament, with the apostolic age, that it is still active today, that God is still speaking through prophets today, giving new revelation, or perhaps that God is speaking through the gift of tongues that has not ceased, but is still active, where one is able to communicate with God in a secret prayer language, or however that gift of tongues is understood by some in our day, and have this special communication with God where God imparts special secret knowledge to them. Well, I believe these views are wrongly understood. The view that a TV preacher is famous for saying, God gave me a word of knowledge. And he doesn't mean that God illuminated the scripture, but that God actually gave him new revelation, a prophecy. We hold that this is a false understanding of revelation. That God is not speaking in that way today, but he did speak through his prophets and apostles as recorded in the pages of the Bible, the 66 books of the canon of Scripture. And Moses actually addresses this in our passage today as he speaks to the office of prophet. And we want to reflect upon that today, not to exclude the office of priest and king, We'll end with looking at both all three of these offices as it pertains to Christ as our Redeemer because you must take them together, not separate them. But the specific point that Moses is making here is to caution the people of Israel even in the day that God was raising up his mouthpieces, his prophets, that they needed to be careful that there was a legitimate way that God communicated with his people and there were many illegitimate ways. And to caution the people, to warn them not to buy into these illegitimate ways of God communicating his will and his truth to his people. Now we believe that the prophets and the apostles, the human authors of the 66 books of the Bible were called by God, raised up by God, inspired by God the Holy Spirit to write down in the Bible that we have today that represents the very Word of God. So here's one point that I want us to understand today. We need no more prophecy. We don't need a man saying, God gave me a word of knowledge. <laughs> we don't need someone speaking in tongues that has a new special secret info from God. All we need is right here. The, the prophecy, the, the apostles and prophets who have written under inspiration of the Holy Spirit the very words of God to us. This is what God has said. This is what he wants us to know about him. And this is what he wants us to know about his plan for salvation. So we want to look at these things today. And we just simply have two points. That in itself is a miracle. Two points, not three. All right, who said amen? 
First point, Moses is the paradigm prophet. The second point, Jesus is the all-sufficient final prophet. We want to begin by looking at uh, the prophet Moses. He's the pattern after which all human prophets, even Jesus, would serve. Look at Deuteronomy 18, verse 15. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet, Moses said, like me. And then look at verse 17. And the Lord said to me, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among the brethren's. Well, why was the office of prophet needed? The context of our passage today is immediately related to what Moses says in Deuteronomy 18, verses 9 through 13. And there Moses records for us illegitimate ways to seek God's will, illegitimate ways to hear God. The people of Israel, the new generation, is, they're poised across the Jordan River, about to go in and take possession of the land and to drive out the Canaanites, the inhabitants there. And the Canaanites, those nations, Moses said, that you will drive out, have abominable practices. We've already dealt with one. We dealt with this back on Pro-Life Sunday about offering up infants as sacrifices to false gods. But he also speaks of other abominable practices, ways that pagan cultures try to communicate with the supernatural realm. Divination, fortune-telling, sorcery, mediums, and a number of other ways. These practices were prohibited. These were illegitimate ways to hear God to try to discern God's will, to seek to understand God's word. Verse 14 very clearly says, but as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do this. So after Moses gives this warning, do not fall into this, these schemes, these abominable ways, illegitimate ways to communicate with God or to hear him. But rather, Moses begins with verse 15 with the only legitimate way that God speaks to his people. The only legitimate way that we come to know God's will and his plan specifically for our salvation. And it is by way of the office of prophet. Those prophets... Not prophets self-appointed, but those prophets raised up, called by God himself. God raised up these prophets to represent him to the people. We might even say the prophet stands with his back to God, representing God to the people. The prophet is God's mouthpiece, God speaking to his people through the prophet. And several scriptures show this. You may recall that, that Moses learned of God's plan to send him to lead the people of Israel out of bondage in Egypt. And what, how did Moses respond to that? Whoa, God, wait just a minute. 
I'm not an eloquent speaker. And this is what God said in Exodus 4.12. Now therefore go and I will be with your mouth. God will be with his mouth and teach you what you shall speak. Moses was God's mouthpiece. And then the prophet Jeremiah also represents this very fact as one speaking God's word. For Jeremiah says in chapter 1 verse 9, Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. In the New Testament, similarly, the prophetic office is described in this way. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 through 21. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. I fear today so many buy into prophecies originating from the will of man instead of heeding the warning of Scripture concerning false prophets. But a true prophet is carried along by the Holy Spirit, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and is a vehicle, a means through which God declares his word. Further, a prophet might be viewed as a mediator. There's a mediatorial function of the prophet. And Moses, here again, is an example of this. If you look back at Deuteronomy 18, verse 16, you'll find a reference to Horeb. That is the foot of Mount Sinai. And what happened at Horeb at the foot of Mount Sinai? God was speaking there from the mountaintop with the smoke and the fire and the thunder. And it's just this awesome event. And he was speaking and the people were fearful. They felt as though they would be consumed if they had to stand and hear God directly speak to them. And so they cried out for Moses to be what? A mediator, a go-between. And God raised up Moses to speak to Moses, who then relayed his word to the people. And I think that's a beautiful picture of a prophet as a mediator between God and his people, where God speaks through that prophet. Well, Moses was this type of a prophet, but he was more. He was the pattern for all future prophets. He was the paradigm. Look at verses 15 and 18. Moses affirmed that there would be what I believe is inferred here as a line of prophets that will be like me, like Moses. God said, Moses, there will be a line of prophets after you that will be like you, implying that there's, there will be a line of prophets after the pattern that Moses sets, ultimately culminating in one final great prophet. And the one final great prophet is not John the Baptist. Because the Jews in John the Baptist's day asked, are you the prophet? Are you the Christ? And John the Baptist said, absolutely not. I point to him. Just a brief note about verses 20 through 22. I'll say no more than this. Moses addressed the problem of false prophets, and he gives a test for validating a prophecy. 
But I want to move right into this question. Are there prophets today like Moses? I've already answered that. Hopefully you're convinced of that. In case you didn't hear, in case you're not convinced, the answer is no. There are no longer prophets, capital P prophets, like Moses, like Isaiah, like Jeremiah, like Hosea. Those capital P prophet, the office of capital P prophet ceased with the close of the apostolic age. All that God said through his prophets and apostles, he has said, and it's recorded in what we have today in the 66 books of the Bible. Scripture is sufficient. We don't need new info from God. We need a whole lot of illumination by the way, but we don't need new revelation. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness. The canon is closed. God has said all he intends to say through his prophets and apostles in the pages of scripture. Scripture is sufficient. But is there a sense that the office of prophet is still active today? And I would say yes, in a little p sense. A little p prophet today, big P closed, little p still active. The little p prophet today is me, is Derek. It's Steve. It's the preacher. But the little pre man, I'm getting tongue tied. <laughs> the little P prophet today, the preacher, does is not given new revelation, but expounds under the illumination of the Holy Spirit that which has already been revealed in the pages of Scripture. We preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We declare the good news of God's word from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. So how are we to seek God's revelation of himself? How are we to seek God's will concerning our salvation, his guidance, his help? Not through a capital P prophet in our day, a, a man who self-appoints to that post one who's slain in the spirit, who has a private communication or word of knowledge? No. That type of thinking is defunct. It's false. God is not operating that way today. For God has spoken through his capital P prophets and his capital A apostles all that he wants us to know, that which is sufficient, that we would know him and know how to be saved and much more the bible is the only legitimate way god speaks to us the bible is the only legitimate way we hear god and his will for us and we hear god's revelation of himself and we hear the duty that god requires of us it's through his word here in the bible Moses was the paradigm prophet. And after him, 
came a line of human prophets culminating in the one final all-sufficient prophet. And who is that? But Jesus. And it is to that second point that we turn now. And Moses foretells of this final greater prophet in our text today. I think that is the inference that we can make in this line of prophets culminating in Jesus. But turn with me in your Bibles to the first chapter of Hebrews as we read the first two verses of Hebrews. Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by prophets. That's what we learn in Moses' words right here in Deuteronomy. But verse 2 of Hebrews chapter 1, but in these last days... He has spoken to us by his son. You see, the final, all-sufficient prophet, Jesus, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. This passage in Hebrews is is focused on Jesus' ministry as the final, all-sufficient prophet after his incarnation and forward. It's Jesus functioning as a prophet as he lived and ministered and preached and taught here on earth. But is there a sense that Jesus' prophetical ministry did not begin at the incarnation? And I would suggest to you there is. In fact, theologian Miller J. Erickson suggests to us that Jesus executed the office of prophet before the incarnation. Jesus was sent like every other prophet. He was sent from heaven. And by the way, Jesus as the prophet is unique because he was not a man raised up. He was part of the Godhead. He was in heaven. He kind of knew the Godhead. He was the truth, and he was sent down. But Jesus was sent like any other prophet, but he was also the eternal logos or the eternal word of God, the second person of the Trinity, part of the council of the Trinity. Makes him unique. I just want to read a selected passage of scriptures from the first chapter of John, verses 1, 9, 14, 18. 1, 9, 14, 18 of John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word. Logos, And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 9, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 18, no one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He, Christ, has made Him known. And I would suggest to you in these verses from 1 John, we see both Jesus' ministry as a prophet before the incarnation and reference to his ministry as a prophet after the incarnation, after coming in the flesh. How is he able to make the Father known? It's because he's the Godhead, part of the Godhead, the second person of the Trinity. He came down from heaven. He is the eternal Logos, the revelation of God. Erickson writes this, he, Christ, first functioned in a revelatory fashion even before his incarnation. 
as the logos, that is the word of God, John 1 that we just read and also John 1, 18. He is the light which has enlightened everyone coming into the world. Thus, in a sense, all truth has come through him. There are indications that Christ himself was at work in the revelations which came through the prophets who bore a message about him. Jesus at work through Moses who bore a message about him. Jesus at work as the prophet through Isaiah who bore a message about him. The, we see Jesus at the transfiguration there with whom Moses and Elijah, the, the law and the prophets, saying that all of that, the law and the prophets, point to Jesus, are fulfilled in Jesus, point glorify Jesus. And Erickson cites 1 Peter 1, 10 through 12 as evidence for Christ's prophetical office being executed before the incarnation. If you choose, please turn with me to 1 Peter 1, 10 through 12. Really amazing passage. Even the angels marvel at the gospel. But let me just read this. 1 Peter 1, 10 through 12. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that they have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. But look back at verse 11, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them in those Old Testament prophets, Christ was at work. I just want to look very quickly at some scriptural evidence that supports that Jesus is the final and all-sufficient prophet. The Jews expected there to be a final and great prophet. In fact, the passage that Dan read this morning from Acts chapter 3 teaches that very thing. But, but Acts chapter 3, verses 22 and 23, not only states that the prophets foretold of Jesus, but links Deuteronomy 18, 15, this promise of a future prophet with Jesus. So Jesus is the one who came and fulfilled that expectation of God raising up a final prophet. Secondly, Jesus identified himself as a prophet. Remember when Jesus went back to his hometown of Nazareth in Matthew 13, 57. They took offense at him, and Jesus said, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. Thirdly, our Lord functioned in a prophetical office. He is described in Scripture as declaring the word from his Father. Many passages, but I'll read John 17, 8. For I have given them the words that you gave me, Jesus said of his Father. 
and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. Fourth evidence is that Jesus in Matthew 24, verses 3 and following, and Luke 19, foretells the future. Jesus in Matthew 7, 28 through 29, fifthly, spoke with authority. And when Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And then other people recognized Jesus as a prophet, sixthly, Luke 24, 19. And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. The scriptural evidence that we find points to Jesus as the final and all-sufficient prophet, the very prophet that Moses references in Deuteronomy chapter 18. The Westminster Confession of Faith. Let me just ask you to take your hymnal and turn to page 871. Questions 24 through 26 is a really concise but very helpful summary of the threefold offices of Christ. Christ is our Redeemer, executes these three offices. And for our purposes now, with regards to the office of, of prophet, let me just simply read the 24th question. How does Christ execute the office of a prophet? Christ executes the office of a prophet in revealing to us by his word and spirit the will of God for our salvation. Jesus is that prophet whom Moses promised in Deuteronomy 18:15. And you may be asking, great, but how does it apply to me? What is the implication? And I want to conclude our time this morning just with one implication, just one, just one. Can you believe it? Two-point sermon and one implication. What is happening? And here it is. You ready? Confidence. That's what Jesus executing the office of the final and all-sufficient prophet means to you and me absolute confidence in him and that confidence is buoyed as we join as properly so his office of priest and king if I had to distill down just in the very essence of the office of prophet I would distill it down in this way. I would say that a prophet pronounced judgment upon sinners. And a prophet pronounced forgiveness by calling sinners to repentance. If you read the Old Testament prophets, you will see this, this twofold message in each of them, in some shape, fashion, or form, pronouncing judgment and calling sinners to repentance. And I would commend to you that Jesus 
fulfills that supremely. And you may ask, how does he fulfill that? Look at Matthew 4, 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And by Jesus saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, implicit in that is the pronouncement of judgment upon sinners. And so I suggest to you that Jesus follows this pattern of pronouncing judgment and calling sinners to repent. And our confidence is in Jesus, who is the prophet, his revelatory revelation ministry. I I can't speak today, but the revelatory ministry of, of Jesus, his prophetical office, declares judgment and declares repentance, declares the gospel. But our confidence is not based merely in Jesus' fulfilling the office of prophet. We might ask, if Jesus was merely a prophet, then the question would still need to be asked, all right, he's declaring judgment and he's declaring repentance, but how, how do we repent? To whom do we repent? And how are we forgiven? And therefore, Jesus fulfills the office of the priest. And then secondly, Jesus fulfills the office of the king. So we have this this office that reveals, we have this office that reconciles the priestly office where Jesus offers himself as the great high priest. He's also the sacrifice. He offers himself to pay for our sin that we would be reconciled to God and he continually intercedes for us. And then Jesus is the king who rules and defends and conquers all his enemies and our enemies and the enemies, Satan, sin, and death. Those are conquered, those are vanquished in Christ the king, never to plague the people of God again, to live free. In other words, when we look at the whole of who Jesus is as our Redeemer. He is the prophet. He declares the gospel. He calls us to repentance, but he also provides the way of repentance that we might be forgiven. And he's the king who ensures that the forgiven will be in victory. Do you see what's going on here? Jesus as our prophet, our priest, and our king. Our confidence is in him. Anthony Carter says this, that Jesus operated in the divinely ordained threefold office of prophet, priest, and king, fully granting our freedom from sin. Moses said this, a prophet is going to be raised up like me. Listen to him. Today you may be here and you may deny your need for a savior. You may, and you may be here confused about who the savior is, but well aware of your bondage to sin. And you're living in fear of judgment. Moses would call us to listen to him. 
Listen to the prophet. Listen to the priest. Listen to the king. You may be in Christ today, but you're struggling with sin. You're struggling with doubt. You're struggling with assurance. And Moses teaches us today to listen to him. Listen to the prophet. Listen to the priest. Listen to the king. Maybe today you're anxious, fearful, spiritually dry, complacent. Listen to Jesus in his word. Maybe today you're striving to be faithful, living the Christian life. How do you do that? Listen to Jesus in his word. And maybe today you just want to rest more and more in grace. Maybe today you just want to love Jesus more and more. Moses would teach us. Don't turn to men who say that they have a a word from God. Don't turn to men who say, from my time of secret communication with God, I learned this. What Moses would have us do is to turn to the prophet, turn to Jesus, and listen to him. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Let us pray. Father, we commit ourselves to you as a people. We acknowledge how quickly we listen to other voices, even listening to the the little voice in our own messy hearts. Father, I pray that you would be pleased to work such that all of these voices would be drowned out and that you would bring us to this place of listening to Jesus, seeking him, reading of him, having confidence in him, the all-sufficient final prophet, priest, and king. And we would ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.